Welcome to A Dead Letter Podcast, a paranormal podcast where we explore a true encounter with entities of myth and legend. In this episode, we dive into the haunting tales of La Llorona and El Charo Negro, two of the most famous figures in Mexican folklore. La Llorona, or the weeping woman, is said to roam the streets at night, weeping for her lost children and seeking revenge against those who have wronged her. El Charo Negro, on the other hand, is a mysterious figure on horseback known for his chivalry and bravery also feared for his vengeful spirit. These legends have been passed down through the generations and continue to be a source of fascination for people around the world. The Chato is a legendary figure in the Mexican folklore and is often associated with the country's rich cultural heritage. The term Chato is used to refer to a Mexican horseman or cowboy who is skilled in pistol and sword combat and various other esquitarian arts and traditional horsemanship. According to legend, the Chato is a brave and heroic figure who embodies the spirit of Mexican people. He is often depicted as a tall, handsome man dressed in traditional Mexican attire, including a wide-brimmed sombrero, a colorful shirt, and tight-fitting pants. The Chato is also known for his impressive horse riding skills and his use of a lasso known as a riata, which he uses to capture wild animals or perform dar uh, daring feats on horseback. The Chato is said to have originated in Mexico during the colonial period when Spanish conquistadors brought horses to the country. Over time, Mexican cowboys developed their own unique style of horsemanship, which eventually became known as the Chato tradition. Today, the Chato tradition is celebrated in Mexico through rodeos and other cultural events where skilled riders showcase their esquitarian skills and compete in a variety of contests, including bull riding, steer roping, and horse racing. However, the Chato legend also has a darker side with some stories depicting the Charo as a vengeful and malevolent figure. In some versions of the legend, the Charo is said to have been the ghost of a Mexican cowboy who died tragically and seeks revenge on those who wronged him. Other versions tell that Charo was a peasant who struck a deal with the devil himself to attain riches and fame and now preys on children and young women. Some have even gone to say that Charo is the devil himself, disguising himself to lure the unsuspecting youth. So yeah, so we begin this episode with... Uh, Two f uh, folklore icons of Mexican culture, La Llorona and El Charro. Um, focusing first on El Charro. And like stated before, um, he's mostly known or mostly seen as a figure of heroism. Um, so this episode, uh, so this episode, we're pretty much talking about uh, El Charro Negro and La Llorona. I'm focusing on El Charro Negro. Um, I heard a good number of stories regarding him. Um, in some, he was depicted as a, a demon, devil, or a ghost figure. Um, some were chilling, some were pretty interesting, but they were all pretty freaky and strange. Uh, so this first encounter is called The Writer. The story was told to me by a friend. My, my friend explains how this happened to his grandfather one night coming home from town. His encounter starts like this. My friend's grandfather, who we'll call Miguel, had a large ranch. Miguel's ranch produced a lot of goods like eggs, butter, milk, and wheat. Miguel would often go to town and sell his goods to other townspeople. On some occasions, he did good and sold everything, and on other occasions, he barely sold anything. But that didn't deter him, as they weren't in much need of money, as they had a large producing ranch. One day, after a successful day of selling, Miguel finds himself alone on the road. It was just him and his horse heading back home. He said it was a beautiful night, as the full moon was visible, but it was eerily quiet. It didn't matter to him, as he was happy as could be. He was bringing a large purse back home. Miguel lived quite some distance from town, but he was familiar with the lonely road ahead of him. He was dozing off when he heard hooves and snarls in the distance. 
He looked around him and found a lone rider in the back galloping behind him. The rider appeared to be in no hurry, so Miguel paid no attention to him. As he continued, he heard the sound of hooves again, this time closer. He looked back, and this time the lone rider was much closer, but was still moving at the same pace. This unsettled Miguel because it didn't make sense. Thinking it could be a thief that was trying to sneak up behind him and rob him, he began to press his horse to pick up the pace. After several minutes of pushing his horse, Miguel thought he had surely lost the rider. So he turns one more time to check and notices the rider is even closer to him than before. He begins to panic, but holds it in. He was asking himself how the rider kept up without making a sound. I would have surely heard hooves and snarling, but before he could check, could check again, the rider had caught up to him. They were riding side by side. The rider greets Miguel and mentions on how beautiful night is. Miguel, frightened, does not look at the rider's face, but notices the elegant suit the rider is wearing. He said it was one of the most beautiful shadow suits he had ever seen. It was all black with gleaming silver ornaments running on the chest and sides. The rider asks if Miguel has a drink to spare, and Miguel hands over the flask to a rider. At this point, he makes eye contact with the mysterious rider and notices the glowing red eyes. The rider takes a drink from the flask and hands it back to Miguel. When Miguel grabs a flask, it severely burns his hand, and he drops it. The rider then proceeds to thank Miguel for sharing a drink with him, despite knowing who he is. The rider pats Miguel on the back and takes off and disappears into the distant woods. Miguel hurries home. He finally arrives and informs his wife of the rider he met. She notices him sweating heavily and pale. She notices his burned hand, and when she takes his coat off, she notices the burn on his back where he was pat by the rider. Miguel catches a fever the following day and his wife calls for a priest and shaman to cure him because he who he met that night was no ordinary horseman. It was the devil himself who had spared Miguel's soul. This next one is uh, I called the road trip to Mexico. Uh, this one was told to me by a friend of mine that I used to do a wrestling YouTube channel with. His encounter with the chato goes like this. It was a family trip they took. Everyone went in one car and they would travel the city by driving around through it. They had been looking forward to this trip because they were going to see their favorite aunt and cousins. One of the routes they had to take was a mountainside that was known for its fantastic views. As they began to drive, they noticed a lone horseman riding along the mountain trail. He was dressed in a traditional charro attire, and the suit was beautiful. His mother pointed out that the man looked extremely handsome, and he remembers his mom telling his dad to stop the car to ask if the horseman was okay or needed anything. His dad responded with an obvious no that if they stopped, they would be drive, driving into nightfall and they encountered, uh, and they would lo most likely have to drive to another mountainside, and that would be very dangerous. So they didn't think much of it after that. As they continued on their way, they took it. They took in all the stunning views of the valley below. But as they continued up the mountain, they noticed the same horseman again. The horseman was ahead of them, and they wondered how he could pull something off like that. They concluded the horseman was familiar with the area and knew shortcuts, so they sped off and left them in the rearview mirror as they did before. As they continued driving, finally heading down the mountainside, they came across a bend on, in the road. On the other end of the bend was that same horseman. This time, a sense of unease and dread filled the car. His mom started to freak. He started to freak. They were all shocked that the horseman was in front of them once again. They began praying as they grew closer to the horseman. At this point, they had concluded that this was no ordinary man on a horse. At nightfall, they arrived at their aunt's house and recounted their experience with the horseman. They told her that they passed the same horseman three times. Their aunt goes on to explain that on that mountainside road, there had been plenty of accidents, fatal and some not. The survivors report seeing a horseman appear on the side of the accident to assist them. 
but no one knows who he is or what he wants. This next encounter with the horseman was told to me by an old friend from work. He recalls a strange encounter he had when he was younger, before he moved to the United States. When he was younger, around his early 20s, he was looking for work to help support his family. His mother was sick and his dad was laid off. He would go into town asking the vendors and passerbys if they had any work or needed help with anything. He caught the eye of an older man who was selling eggs and other livestock goods. The older man told him he had to, he had work for him if he was up for it. My friend, being in need, took it without asking too much about it. The older man told him to come back later that day when he was done selling his eggs and that he would take him back to his ranch where he would explain the job details. So evening came and he met up with the older man. As they headed back to his ranch, he said the man lived quite far, but that his ranch was beautiful. Once they arrived, the older man explained to him what he needed to do, which was farm work, but he had one point clear. Do not let the cattle out at night, as they are difficult to locate and bring back. He didn't think too much of it. The older man also the older man also offered him a place to sleep while he worked at the ranch, uh, a little cottage that was in the back of the cattle stable. He settled in for the night and went to sleep. A couple of weeks in, one night, he said he was woken up by the sound of snarls and hooves. Thinking it was a thief who came to steal the cattle, he gets up and goes outside to investigate. He sees a man on horseback, a charro, wearing the most beautiful black suit with silver ornaments. The horseman has his back turned to him, so he tells him that he needs to leave, that this is private land. The horseman ignores him and continues towards the cattle stable. Thinking the rider is going to steal the cattle and let them out, he rushes after the rider. Upon turning the corner, he finds no one at the door. He circles the stable but finds no sign of, a, of the rider. After making sure he is gone, he heads back to sleep. The next day comes and he debates on whether to tell the old man about the incident, but he decides not to because he did not want to seem incompetent and lose his job. A couple of weeks go by and again the familiar sound of snarls and hoops echo through his cottage. He goes out to investigate and it's the same horseman as last time. He runs up to him and this time stops in front of him. He tells the rider that he can't be here and that it's private land. The horseman continues forward with no regard of him being in his way, but instead of crashing into the horse, the, horman wa the horseman walks right through him. He feels a cold breeze past him. He begins to fill with fear and he runs to his cottage and watches the horseman as he approaches the stable. He sees the horseman stop at the door, get off his horse, and light a cigarette. The apparition remains there until sunrise when it fades away. The next day he, he advised the old man that he was quitting and never, never informed him of why or what he saw. Regardless of the Charles portrayal in different stories, the legend remains an important part of Mexican culture and folklore. Today, the Charo is celebrated as a symbol of Mexico's rich history and cultural heritage, and his legacy continues to inspire and captivate people around the world, especially those demon stories. He's probably like, he's probably like ghostwriter or some bullshit like that, you know? Next, we have La Llorona. La Llorona, which translates to the weeping woman, is a legendary figure in Mexican folklore who is said to be the ghost of a woman who drowned her children in a fit of rage and despair. According to the legend, La Llorona wanders near bodies of water, weeping and wailing in grief for her lost children. The origins of La, La Llorona are unclear, but is thought to have originated in, um, in ancient Aztec and Mayan cultures. The story has since been passed through generations and has become a well-known and popular tale throughout Mexico and Latin America. The legend of La Llorona tells the story of a beautiful woman named Maria who fell in love with a wealthy man and had two children with him. However, her lover eventually left her for another woman, and in a fit of jealousy and despair, Maria drowned her children in the river. After realizing the severity of her actions, Maria was consumed with guilt and grief and spent the rest of her life searching for her children along the banks of rivers. 
She was said to have died soon after, still searching and weeping for her lost children. Since then, it is believed that La Llorona's ghost has continued to wander near bodies of water, searching for her children and whipping in sorrow. According to the legend, the sound of La Llorona wails can be heard echoing through the night, a warning to parents to keep the children close and avoid the dangers of waters at night. In some versions of the legend, La Llorona is said to kidnap children who resemble her own, mistaking them for her lost children and dragging them into the water with her. The story has been used to as uh, the story has been used as a cautionary tale to teach children to obey their parents and to avoid wandering alone at night. You know, when while I was like writing this up, I was thinking too, um, you know, if, if it's kids that get dragged in the water, and I always refer to this a lot, but it's probably crocodiles. They have crocodiles in Mexico, you know. One one moment you're out playing in the river and the next thing you get snatched up real quick and nobody knows because like they're so quick, you know, and they just dive down in the water and your kid's gone. So when so I had my encounter with it, which when I was like five or six years old, my mom took us to Mexico City for the first time. I was excited because it was my first time traveling outside of the United States. I also was five years old, so I wasn't aware of the bad shit that I'm aware now. But whatever, continuing, we were going to visit my family over there. We were going to spend time with my aunts, uncles, and even my grandma. The trip was cool. I was able to run around the houses, ranches, and even in a tortilla bakery shop. Everything was fine until we had to spend the first night at my grandmother's house. I remember that night because we slept in the living room in some makeshift beds. In the middle of the night, I woke up because I felt like something was in the bed with me. I felt like if I had things crawling on my makeshift bed, I get off from my bed and take the covers out and is about to shake the coverings. Uh, when I see a couple of bugs, ants and scorpions, I freak out again because I freak out. You know, I am a kid and at this point I'm afraid of these creepy crawly things, you know, they creep me out. I try to wake up my mom who was across from me to let her know what I found, but she's not responsive. At that moment, I begin to hear it wailing from a distance. I start getting more scared because it sounded like it was coming closer. So I begin to shake my mom, but she doesn't wake up. In that moment, I noticed my younger sister had woken up as well. She, she stood straight up in bed, paralyzed by the wailing. We heard it draw near to our window, stopping at our door like if it knew we were there. We stayed quiet, hoping it would leave, and eventually it did. Each of its cries were heard further and further away until we did not hear it anymore. We eventually fell asleep out of fright. So this next encounter with the wailing woman happened to one of my relatives. His encounter with the wailing woman goes like this. My relative in his younger years used to work in a factory that was constructed near an old river. He had been working the evening shift for months now and was used to the norms of the operations. One night, late into his shift while he was working on the far north side of the factory, he said he was working on repairing the heavy machinery. He said he was replacing a press that had stopped working. Since the machine was down, he was the only one working on that side of the building. But he was used to the eerie silence that he found himself in from time to time. As he began to work, he said he started to hear a wailing in the distance. As he began work, he said he started to hear a wailing in the distance. At first, he thought it was his imagination because he had been working late and a lot past for the past couple weeks. So he shrugged it off and continued working. The wailing grew louder as it was coming closer. That's, that startled him. He began to think that it might have been one of the employees who was hurt and needed help. So he left his work and began to walk towards where he, where he heard the wailing coming from. He found himself back in the middle of the building. He noticed everyone was in a panic. They were all trying to get to their things and leave the building. At that moment, he ran into one of his work buddies who told him to leave the building, that the Yorona was outside of the building. He felt like someone had dropped ice-cold water on him. Upon hearing that, he that and the recurring well of the woman, he ran out of the building and drove home as fast as he could. The next day, they had brought a priest to cleanse and bless the inside and outside of the factory. 
He spoke to a couple of his co-workers of how they knew that the wailing woman was here last night. One of them replied that upon hearing the wailing, a group of them decided to go outside and investigate the noise. When they went outside, they said they saw a woman in white that appeared to be gliding in the direction of the river. That was enough evidence they needed to convince them to leave. Uh, so this next one happened to my Spanish teacher. Obviously, I'm not going to burn her name out, but she was really cool. And this particular encounter uh, stuck with me because it introduced something new that I, at the time, did not know. Water, the substance that we, the substance that we need to keep living, is a conduit for the paranormal activity. That whatever there is running waters, where that wherever there is running water, spirits or entities can use that to manifest themselves. Her encounter goes as follows: One day after coming home from school, we'll call her Jackie. Jackie decided to watch her favorite show instead of doing her homework and chores. Jackie lived with her not so cool aunt, who could be cruel sometimes. But Jackie was entering her teens and was starting to become a bit rebellious. On this day, Jackie decided to spend all day watching TV. That when nightfall came, she was rushing to finish her homework. Her aunt began to scold her and asked her why her chores had not been done. Jackie needed to wash her clothes for the next couple of days as well as wash the dishes. Her aunt had warned her that it was unwise to be near water at night. Jackie paid no attention to her and began to do her laundry. Jackie had to do laundry a different way. She was not fortunate enough to have a washing machine like many of us do today. She had to wash her clothes by hand. Jackie began to scrub her clothes on a large rock with water and soap. Even though she was a couple yards from her house, the night made it extremely creepy and eerie. Jackie noticed a certain quiet as she was washing her clothes. Normally, you could still hear the crickets, owls, and other nightly creatures, but tonight seemed weird. It was too quiet, so she picked up the pace so she could return to the safety of her aunt's home. It was approaching 11 It was approaching eleven o'clock at night, and all that was left was the dishes in the kitchen. Her aunt told her to wash them quickly as it was getting late. Jackie began to look out the kitchen window into the backyard into the woods. She noticed what appeared to be a blanket or sheet of cloth floating in the distance. She thought she had left one of her blankets or shirts out and feared her aunt finding out. She began to look around to see if her aunt was still up so she could plan a quick run to get the loose clothing. Once she confirmed her aunt was no longer around, she looked back to the window and saw a translucent lady in white. The figure appeared to be a woman looking back at her only in a, only a couple feet away from the window. Jackie screamed and fell back. She picked herself up and ran into her room. In the morning, her aunt scolded her for not finishing the dishes. Jackie replied that she was almost done but saw a woman outside the window. Her aunt began to remind her that all chores relating to water must be done in the daytime as running water attracts spirits, some good, some bad. La Llorona legend has become a significant part of Mexican culture, and her story has been told through books, films, and even opera. Today, La Llorona is celebrated as a culture icon and a symbol of the powerful emotions that can consume human beings, reminding us to be mindful of our actions and the consequences that it can bring.